Systematic Saturday, which is actually Philosophy Friday. If you're confused by that, you should be, but go back to yesterday where we explain it. Roll the tape. Back to the future. Yeah, good, man. That's what happens when you don't have a script, huh? That's what happens. Who needs a script? <laughs> Scripts are overrated. Um, but we will not miss our fellowship. Oh, not our fellowship. Our philosophy Friday. We will do it, <laughs> even if it's on a Saturday, people. And yes. um, we, we've got David Human Miracles. I mean, come on. Yeah. So what are we talking about, Nick? Let us have so um, basically working through the objections to Christianity. And today we're looking at the rejection of Christianity because the modern person rejects miracles on principle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the common, the common mindset that we encounter is, you know, oh, come on. You know, the modern person doesn't believe in the virgin birth or the resurrection of the dead. Right. You know, it's only, it's only those ignorant people from bygone ages who, because of superstition and ignorance, and who didn't have the benefits of science, that would be so foolish as to believe in something like miracles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming into it with that presupp- presupposition and uh, naturalistic worldview today um so it's yeah so i mean i mean the common thing is something like you know the virgin birth that's just that's a myth borrowed from other religions Mm -hmm. or uh jesus walking on the water well what that was was there was an there was a sandbank just below the surface of the water or uh jesus feeding the five thousand you know that was a a little boy shared his lunch and the rest of the, the the crowd felt humiliated by this little boy's generosity and so they pulled out the provisions they already had yeah yeah, you know, and so you always, they always try and find. I hadn't it. heard that one before. That's and, good. You know, that's that's yeah. William Barclay. Oh, wow. So yeah, <laughs> so there's always a natural explanation yeah. for for what we know we know in the scriptures is the supernatural. Yeah, and uh, the new atheists have really made this one of the points of their criticism of Christianity is that science has debunked mm. superstition and the ignorance of bygone eras, mm. and uh, the modern man doesn't believe in miracles. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I thought what I'd do is I'd just lay out a few of the basic theories against miracles, and then maybe we could just respond to them one by one. Cool. Cool. So, uh, I mean, in the Western world, we have to go back to the 17th and 18th century to deism. Mm-hmm. So deism is that view which says that God is the great clockmaker who made the universe like a machine or a clock. He wound it up. He threw it out. It's ticking and talking on its own according to the laws of nature, and he's not interfering. Mm-hmm. So this arose at a time um, when the new science, Newtonian physics and so on, arose. And you, so you've got Christianity and the new science and people who are trying to syncretize it and bring it all together. And so deism was the result. And, you know, the idea is that God would not interfere in the clock or the machine. You know, if you stick something into a, 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 an intricate machine, you're going to break it. Uh, some even perceive it as an insult or a violation of the laws of nature. So that's, that's the first uh, sort of early foundation to anti-supernaturalism. So, yeah. I mean, what would we want to say to the deist notion? Um, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't account for what is revealed. Um, you know, even just in terms of the incarnation, you, I mean, there's no way to reconcile that really with biblical Christianity. You no. can maybe have that some as a form of theism, 
you know. Um, but in terms of what the scripture reveals, it's just completely out of sorts. Yeah. It was a Jefferson that tried to turn the Bible into a deist. Uh, yeah, so he took a bunch, he took a pair of scissors to the scriptures, cut out all the miracles, and then uh, I think his scripture, uh, his Bible ended with, and they closed the tomb and went away. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> the last verse in the New Testament type thing. Nice, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the main trouble with it is, as you say, is this is not the biblical picture of who God is. Mm. And uh, the biblical teaching on providence, you know, is very different to this new science view. You know, mm. as people look through a microscope and look through a telescope, they saw the way in which nature worked, but mm. they ignored the way in which the Bible explained how God was behind it all. So God is in every tick and every tuck, upholding it by the word of his power, Hebrews 1 verse 3. Mm. So there's there's an unbiblical assumption in the way in which they view it as God outside the machine, mm. um, that he's not in it and sustaining it at every point. There are layers of mediation. And if we could get uh, all the way back to the first cause, we would find God upholding it all. Mm. Um, and not just him winding up a clock and throwing it out and him not sustaining it at every moment by the word of his power. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, that that, that would be the best response. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's no, I mean, people have tried. Uh, that was huge. But, you know, they just failed. There's just no way to reconcile it with the Bible at all. Uh, yeah. It's the clearest thing. Yeah. Good. So, so another else? guy, Benedict Spinoza. Oh, so, Spinoza. Spinoza. He Liberal. was a Jew. Yeah. He was a heretic. Mm-hmm. I believe he was in Holland because they didn't kill heretics at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he predated David Hume. Right. And he had a very strange, because he believed in God, but he had an incredibly <coughs> strange theology. Um, and his theology was very deterministic. You know, he believed his view of God was that nature was the necessary outworking of God's will. Mm. So God wasn't free. Nature was a necessity. And then, and because uh, what God does is an expression of His will, what He makes must be unchangeable; otherwise, His will is changeable. Mm-hmm. So it's a very backward sort of argument. He argued that yes, the harmony of nature is an argument for God. So you look at the the wonder of creation, and it does argue for the existence of the Creator. Mm-hmm. Therefore, miracles promote doubt and atheism mm-hmm. because they're a disruption of the wonderful, well-tuned machine of nature. How's that for a backward way of thinking? Dude, wow. <laughs> no words. So, um, and, and so what he did is he defaulted to a way of saying, well, you know, people think that things are miracles, but he preferred to think of them as works of nature that we didn't yet understand. And that is a very popular notion today. Even Richard Dawkins, who would admit that, you know, we can't really explain how the universe got here. But we'll just wait until we get a better naturalistic yeah, experience exactly, rather yeah. than uh, resorting to a supernatural one. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's been, that's been uh, yeah, pretty famous. Yeah, totally. So that's Benedict Spinoza. And I think, you know, like, like uh, reacting to deism, we want to bring the biblical picture of who God is, God's freedom. Yeah. That nature is not a necessity on God's part. He is free to create. He didn't have to create. And uh, he he is free in relation to his creation. He's not bound by it. Yeah, he is sovereign over it. And um, I think the biblical picture of God puts a very quick end to that line of thinking. Totally. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's Spinoza. You're um, right. Got David Hume. David Hume. Oh. All right. So he wrote a very famous essay on miracles, and his thinking went something like this: You know, the rational person makes a distinction between proof that makes a thing certain. Yep. And evidence that only makes a thing probable. Mm-hmm. And in order for a thing to be 
true evidence or to be proof, it needs to be incontestable. So he's setting the bar, the bar very high. Mm. And so when it comes to miracles, Hume wants us to imagine a type of scale in our minds. So on the one side of the scale, let's put the virgin birth. So there's a singular occurrence of a virgin birth. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the scale are the billions of times that a sperm and egg have naturally worked to create a baby. Mm. And so basically what you have is a scale and on the basis of the scale, miracles cannot be admitted as proof because, mm, mm. you know, if, 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 if proof is by definition something that can't be doubted, mm-hmm. then, you know, one against a billion, mm. the improbability of that one being true automatically disqualifies it as proof. Mm. Do you see the way that Hume yeah. has loaded his definition? Totally, yeah. So he went so far as to say this, because um, he lived quite close to the time of Queen Elizabeth and he said, well, imagine Queen Elizabeth died. Mm. For a whole month, she lay dead in the grave. And then she rose from the dead and ruled for another three years. Hume said, by this definition of miracles, I would rather believe any number of other theories than believe that she had resurrected from the dead. Yeah, there we go. Totally. So his definition prejudices the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, it's important for people to realize too. You know, just yeah. uh, it's, it's helpful, helpful in conversations. Yeah. Now, there's a second step in his argument. He says that in most instances, we don't have a one clear, clean instant of a well-reported, well-attested miracle sitting on the one side of the scale. Hmm. So he sets up this improbable scale. Hmm. And then he goes on at his second step to say, and on the, on the side of the scale of the miracles, we don't even have one. Right, right. And what he does, he basically gives four reasons why all the accounts of miracles we have up to this point are unreliable. So here are his four uh, reasons. He's firstly, no miracle sufficiently reported by educated men of station who have much to lose for lying. Yeah. All right? <laughs> okay. So in other words, no one like himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> secondly, and this <laughs> is true, people are generally gullible and too ready to believe in the superstitious yeah, and supernatural enough. explanations of things. Okay. Yeah, and uh, having some experience in the charismatic church. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Amen. Preach it. You know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Thirdly, sure. miracles are only reported uh, to happen among barbarians, but not the educated. Right. And then fourthly, and this is uh, one of the more popular ones that's often quoted, all religions have miracles, which they claim attest to their religion being true. These cancel out each other and none of them can be true. Right. Uh, none of them are persuasive to bring us around to their point of view. All right. All right. So I'm ready to go. You, me, and on this. Um, about to deny the faith. Pick me up. What's going on, you know? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, as, as we listen to Hume, these attitudes have obviously filtered down to us today. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I think we can just see from a mile away that his, he's completely biased in what he's saying. But here's the funny thing. Uh, someone like Richard Dawkins is actually an endorser of Hume. So Richard Dawkins wrote a children's book called The Magic of Reality. Uh-huh. And it's a crazy children's book. He's got like this awesome graphic artist drawing demons and vampires and like someone who designs tarot cards to do the art in his kid's book. Wow. I don't know why. He just did it. <laughs> so and, <laughs> and this is what he writes in his children's book. Hume didn't come right out and say miracles are impossible. Instead, he asked us to think of a miracle as an improbable event, an event whose improbability we might estimate. The estimate doesn't have to be exact. 
it's enough that the improbability of a suggested miracle can be roughly placed on some sort of scale, and then compared with an alternative explanation such as a hallucination or lie. Wow. And so, you know, he'd rather believe a naturalistic explanation that the resurrection was a hallucination or a lie than the improbability of the fact that someone resurrected from the dead. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the fact that Hume himself admitted that even fantastic things like someone coming back from the dead, even though we've witnessed it, uh, and a natural explanation being preferred to that, I think, I think it shows up um, how completely biased he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, um, I think, you know, coming back to Hume, mm. one of the first reasons that he gives for why miracles are not reliable is, you know, there were no well-educated men who had something to lose by lying. Mm-hmm. What about the resurrection and the apostles? Yeah. There were men who were monotheists. They were Jews. They were well educated in who was God. Here were men who, if they claimed that Jesus Christ was God, would be lynched by their own people and who willingly, boldly proclaimed after being cowards and denying it, Mm. after they'd seen the resurrected Lord. Mm. And uh, they put their lives on the line, and they were martyred. They did have a lot to lose if they were lying, and they paid the cost. Yeah. Yeah, and they weren't just martyred without even being given a thought about it. I mean, they're often after imprisonment for prolonged periods, and, you know, a lot of time to sort of bail out if they wanted to. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I yeah. would push back on Hume and say, hang on a minute. You say that uh, all accounts of miracles are not well attested? Mm. We have uh, Paul mentioning the 500 witnesses to the resurrected Christ. Yeah. We have several instances of Christ appearing to his disciples on the, uh, by the Sea of Galilee in the upper room twice to Thomas himself, who says, my Lord and my God. Um, you know, that's just a load of garbage that mm. there aren't well-attested miracles. And even just on that point, I mean, you just don't have anything like that in other religions, bottom line. Mm. You know? It's one of the best attested facts of ancient history. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a lot of nonsense as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, a few other things to consider. Attitudes against miracles. Uh, today we have the attitude of chronological snobbery, which mm-hmm. believes that people in the past are just stupider than us, that mm-hmm. they were more gullible, more credulous, and you know, when things were not understood, well, it must be God. It must be a demon. You know, mm-hmm. Rain it wasn't the water cycle. It was God. Mm-hmm. You know, Schizophrenia wasn't... Uh, a weird chemical imbalance or disruption in neurons in the brain, it was a demon. Mm-hmm. And so now we know better so we can get rid of these things. Uh, what, would we, what, what do we want to say to that? Well, I mean, yeah, it's just clearly not the case that uh, we have the edge chronologically. If you look at, uh, <laughs> I, I always laugh, I mean, theology is obviously our, our zone. So, you know, this is one area we can look at. But in a day and age where, we're struggling to get our first and second year Hebrew and Greek down, uh, you know, in comparison to the guys who, let's say, in, uh, you know, the 1800s were debating in Greek, um, cool. you know, for their ministry exam. Uh, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't strike me that I have a lot of confidence there in, in terms of uh, a chronology adding to my, my weight of intellect. Um. Yeah, I mean, C.S. Lewis, uh, he's got a great book on miracles. Man, he actually blew me away. Yes. He wrote a chapter against pantheism. And man, I thought I was reading classical theism. It was wow. outstanding. It was so good. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, he makes a comment. This is what he says about the chronological snobbery angle. Mm. 
The idea that the progress of science has somehow altered this question is closely bound up with the idea that people in olden times believed in them because they didn't know the laws of nature. Mm. Thus, you will hear people say, the early Christians believed that Christ was the son of a virgin, but we know that this is a scientific impossibility. Such people seem to have an idea that belief in miracles arose at a period when men were so ignorant of the course of nature that they did not perceive a miracle to be contrary to it. Mm. A moment's thought shows this to be nonsense. And the story of the virgin birth is a particularly striking example. When Joseph discovered that his fiancée was going to have a baby, he not unnaturally decided to repudiate her. Why? Because he knew, just as well as any modern gynecologist, that in the, modern, uh, that in the ordinary course of nature, women do not have babies unless they have lain with men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joseph wasn't just credulous and gullible and ignorant and willing to believe, uh, you know, a teenage girl's story about God gave me a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. He wasn't gullible. And then we've got Thomas. Yeah, good example. You know, he wasn't yeah. gullible. He was skeptical. Totally. He said, "Unless I see, I won't believe." And when he saw, he he said, "My Lord and my God." Yeah. And then what about all of the disciples around the time of the resurrection? They weren't just. They weren't willfully wanting and expecting a miracle of the, res the resurrection from the dead to happen or just gladly and easily believing it when they first heard about it. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't accept it immediately. But what yeah. about Paul uh, at the Areopagus? Acts 17 verse 32 says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, speaking of the uh, Athenians, mm. some mocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they didn't yeah. just believe that no. someone had resurrected from the dead because someone said so. Mm. Mm. Totally. Big points. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about those Stoics and um, just even the, the the caliber of Greek philosophy at the time as well. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it just, you know, uh, you've also read through, um, um, what's the big, uh, Bert, Bertrand Russell, um, his History of Western Philosophy. Yeah, we've just both kind of been moving through that. You finished it now, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sort of trying, but like only a little, little bit before halfway but what i'm struck by is that you know sure you've got some thoughts that are that are um they seem quaint and or just um you know really weird to us and yet these guys they covered everything you know with with, with almost nothing at their disposal you know they just just with their minds they just covered every big question and uh in such amazing detail and in, in such uh you know in ways that have um, that have stood the test of the time, not not perfectly, and you know, obviously, I'm not a wholesale endorsement of the philosophers here, but um, yeah, you just just even that. I mean, the, they were thinkers, you know? yeah. And uh, who, you know, I just it's a struggle to even think about who who would compare to something like that. Where is our Socrates and Aristotle? And you know, it's just I don't yeah. know. Those guys were big, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, that's probably just the last thing that we need to say is. You know, we just need to draw attention to the underlying assumption of scientism. Yeah. That science is the only way that we can know things truly. And that's just a fallacy. That's wrong. Yeah. You know, and here's here's the first way to test to prove that fallacy. Well, what scientific proof will you offer to prove that science is the only way to know things legitimately? Right. Now you're into philosophy and methodology. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you, know, how, <laughs> you know, how do you know that you have a mind? <laughs> you know, that will receive the mind of the other person i mean well yeah totally you, you just i think we said this before but you know yeah, we don't live our lives according to pure science no we just um, you know if i have a conversation and i say to you you know i met so-and-so at the shops today you don't say prove it 
Yeah. That's not the way we conduct our affairs. Mm-hmm. We don't live our lives um, on the basis of pure science. Yeah. Um, and also science is not infallible. You know, yeah. it's, it's full of assumptions. It's not a neutral worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and also science is incredibly limited in what it can observe. Mm-hmm. It, can't, it can't know for a fact what happened in the past. It can only speculate and hypothesize and extrapolate based on what they see in the present. Mm-hmm. And likewise with the future, science can't make moral verdicts. Science can't make aesthetic judgments. Can't, mm-hmm. Science can't explain why or the purpose mm-hmm. of our existence. Mm-hmm. Science, science is a great tool for understanding God's world, but it's incredibly limited in what it can reveal. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're dependent upon Scripture. Uh, we need a revelation from outside of ourselves, from the one who does know the past, who does know the, the, the future, who does know our purpose and why we're here. Mm. And that's where the Bible comes into it. Totally. Man, on that point, I've got a great segue. Oh, yeah. You ready? Yeah. Go to church. Go to church and hear the Bible. <laughs> Go to church. What's the point? What's the point, guys, of hearing philosophy on Not Philosophy Friday? On Systematic Saturday. Socrates Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Socrates <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. What's the point of Socrates Saturday unless you go to church? I mean, something that Socrates himself sounds like he would ask, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just deep, you know? So, hey, go and get some external revelation tomorrow. Um, you, you're, uh, you, you need it. <laughs> you need it and... Uh, and uh, hopefully it's the culmination of the Sojourner Pod Week for you. Uh, trust you have a good local church to go to. Try and find one if you don't. Come to Grace Nick. Go to Timaru. Uh, come to Grace if you're around there uh, or in Wellington. And um, um, trust you have a great Lord's Day tomorrow. Um, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Cool, man. Cheers. Cheers.